in a world. Ah, wait, wrong script. Ah, oh, yes, okay. Welcome to the Artificer's Portal, a place where our hosts, Andrew and Pat, talk with folks around the globe that make digital solutions to tabletop role-playing game problems. So jump in, buckle up, and hang on as we dive headfirst into the Artificer's Portal. Ah, the Artificer's Portal. The Artificer's... Yeah, the, the Artificer's Portal. So come on in and uh, have a seat. Okay, thanks, Pat. Recording? Yeah. Yep. Looks like it. Hey, I'm Pat. And I'm Andrew. Andrew, where are we going this this week? This every other week. <laughs> week. This fortnight. <laughs> fortnight. There you go. That sounds so much more Dungeons and Dragons. Uh well, last time we talked with Nicola and Mitch from Albert Rodeo. Yeah, I remember those two. They were from Australia. It was their accent that was just so endearing as yeah. we talk to them yeah well and um they had some really great thoughts around virtual reality especially in our conversation it, it was surprising that we ended up rolling around to virtual reality nicola had this to say you know the internet has evolved and the web has evolved and your like user experience and like all those learnings about how to interact in a 2d like well it's kind of people kind of know how to do it instinctively where i think 3d isn't necessarily are long enough yet that anybody could kind of pick it up, if that makes sense. I don't want to make a lot of assumptions because some people obviously still struggle a little bit, but I do think 2D is in a much more mature space in terms of what you have to teach the user. And didn't Mitch has had something to say about that too? Yeah, actually, Mitch is, worked with a VR game studio and had some really insightful things to say about how far along the technology really is. Here's what he said. It will get there once, you know, once or if uh, a virtual reality or augmented reality kind of emerges that is uh, extremely user-friendly. When you're using gestures like motion controllers in virtual reality, now 3D, 3D interaction is as intuitive as it is in real life. If we get to you know, an augmented reality system or a virtual reality system that really does uh, solve a lot of the, the problems of you know, wearability and stuff, I think that having a 3D virtual tabletop then would be really great because then the interaction model is suddenly really easy with those two things who did you dig up for a response to nicola's and mitch's claims well i was thinking about it and i thought maybe we could talk to grant anderson from mirrorscape he's the guy that's producing that new project called arcana but the a and the r are both capitalized because they stand for augmented reality their kickstarter just just started and and i think it ended a while ago it just sent waves throughout the industry of, of how cool and how forward thinking they are so waves like as in money waves was it as big as like critical role i think it was more just the idea of it you know they have a video where they're looking through an ipad and you can see the map on a table and then you kind of move the ipad away and voila it's not there and then they pull back the ipad and it's there again i think most of us thought okay that's kind of cool i think it's the implication of that that is the coolest thing yeah i can't wait to talk to him because you know you and i working in this industry demos are one thing uh reality is a whole nother thing or augmented reality for that matter hey isn't this the company that is associated with that guy joe maganello yeah 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 it's the one where he's up there talking about the thing actually grant is the artificer that's behind that project and he is super passionate about it well heck what are we waiting for let's uh go talk with him yeah let's do it whoa pat are you there i don't see you i think did it break i think i think we made it it feels like we're kind of still in the portal what are all these mirrors is that what that is i i guess i it's just i was looking at me so i guess that is a mirror yeah no oh oh i see you there is 
Is that Grant? Where is Grant? Is that? No, there's another Grant over there. Hey, 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 hey. Grant, which one is you? They're all me. I'm casting a spell, man. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. Oh, okay. So this is like a mirror image where we just start whacking at one of you until one of you says, ow. That's right. I'm over here. Oh. Well, I'm over here. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which so, is it? Now I don't even know if this, this end table's real. <laughs> Why are there so many mirrors in here, Grant? What are you? What kind of thing are you working on here? This is the theme of the day. It's an artificial, artificial and augmented reality. reality. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm about to throw up. Can you turn it off so we can just talk to you, Grant? <laughs> There you go. Wait, wait. Where's, where's, where's that button again? Oh, what? Nope. What? That's not it. Oh, there we go. Hey guys. There you are. Holy crap! You're a lot closer than I thought you were. Um, <laughs> hey man. Uh, thanks for inviting us. And so, is that couch real? Can we sit down? Uh, yeah. You might want to try it out. It feels real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sit there. All right. Awesome. So. Thanks for coming on the show, Grant, and thanks for letting us into your lab. Quite peculiar. Never been in a lab that wasn't a lab, but is actually a living room, but looked like a lab when we first got here. Well, thanks, man. That's what we're aiming for. <laughs> you must be performing real magic here. We are. If you don't like the decor, I can push a button and change it for you. Oh, that's Ooh, super that cool. cool. I've, you know, I have known, I've heard of such powerful wizards that can that can do these kind of things. That's pretty amazing. That's right. It's even kind of a theme of this show. Right? I heard that you had to have a, what do they call that? An arcane focus. So you have to have an arcane focus to use this kind of magic. <laughs> Indeed. Grant works on a product that does exactly that. It magically through your arcane focus or your phone or device, you can see things that actually aren't there. Could you kind of give us a, just a summary of what it is that you actually do and what it's called? Yes, we can do that. Um, so the platform is called Arcana, and it's a capital AR, and that stands for augmented reality. So we are creating an augmented reality tabletop. So it's like a virtual tabletop, but it's using augmented reality. Um, and that lets you all play around the table using three-dimensional terrain and minis and all kinds of environment effects and cool things and build maps as big as your dreams on your actual tabletop and still see and play with each other. Say so you say augmented reality. Um, I know what that is. Andrew, I think, knows what that is. Let's Some pretend like listeners. Andrew doesn't. Okay, Andrew doesn't know what that is. So what is, what is augmented reality versus like, I think the, the most common thing is called virtual reality, which we put a big goggles on and walk around and look like we're in Ready Player One. Yeah, so... And that's exactly it. So Ready Player One is a good reference. Most people understand that. So virtual reality really is you put those um, goggles on and you're completely closed off from the world, right? Like you can't see anything but the virtual world that we've created. Um, and I've done a bunch of that stuff. And, um, you know, it's literally replaces the real world with this imagined computer graphics built world, right? And you have, you can move around, um, you can actually walk around in it. Um, I've done a lot of location-based experiences like for Marvel and for DreamWorks, where you you know actually strap on a backpack and you walk through a maze and we can project anything on it, make it look like anything that we want with wind and smell and all of that kind of stuff. Augmented reality is kind of going to be the more pervasive medium going forward, right, as the technology improves. And that is um, basically augmenting the real world. So you can imagine what we're, we're, we're trending towards is trying to get augmented reality glasses. And you start to see those being announced, like Snap has uh, shown their de uh, developer reference design. 
Um, Qualcomm has their reference design. There's all kinds of rumors about Apple's new headset coming out uh, at the end of this year. Might even hear about it next uh, month at their developers conference. But imagine putting on a pair of glasses and then being able to see computer graphics inserted into the real world. And it uses a bunch of technologies uh, like LiDAR, which is basically a, a radar type uh, mechanism that can tell you for every pixel on your screen how far something is, right? The depth of an object. So that allows us to put things behind tables and sofas and chairs and, you know, on city streets. And you couple that with GPS and computer vision recognition um, and geolocation. And now you can be going about the real world and I can drop something like a treasure pile in the middle of the street for you to come along. If you're subscribing to my level of reality, if you will, which is scary in itself, which we can talk about, uh, you know, some of the ramifications of this technology, which may not be so great. <laughs> if you're subscribing to my level of reality, then you come along and you'll see that right where I left it. So you can literally augment the world with digital objects and media as you would physical objects. So it's really becoming the digitization of the real world. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but what is the actual problem? When somebody goes to like pay money for this thing, they're thinking, okay, I'm going to get this thing so I don't have to do this or get this or be this anymore. What What is the problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah, so the main problem has always been, right, time and distance is the enemy of this game, getting people together for game night, whether it's everybody or the one straggler that can't make it, right? There's always one um, getting around the table and playing this game. And there have there's certainly online tools, right? Um, there's PC um uh, VTTs, there's, you know, online uh, web-based uh, VTTs and things like that, but they always left me feeling flat, right? It, it's not the true expression of the game. I was looking for a way to authentically play the game like you're used to um, in the most authentic way possible using a new, using new digital tools. And working in AR and VR for the past 10 years, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I was always like, this is the perfect marriage of this technology to gameplay. And so it's, you know, you're probably not going to sit around and play um, Rule 20 if you're actually around the table with people. But with our product, you actually can because you get around the table. All of the, the the world is synced between all the devices locally. So it knows where you are in relation to everybody else. Everybody sees that their view of the game from their own perspective around the table as if you really would, as if it was sitting there on the table. So this allows you to play you know, in person around the table and building these massive builds, things that you may not be able to afford, right? A lot of this stuff is very pricey, even if you're buying plastic stuff. Um, and we've got great partners that we're working with, like Dwarven Forge and Fat Dragon Games and Reaper Minis, all the stuff that you're used to playing with in real life. But we're digitizing those, um, and in some cases, scanning those and bringing them into the digital world. So you can make these massive builds. And also, always having that available to you, right? And again, this comes back to the immediacy, right? Like, Oh, you know, we can pick up last week's game session today at lunch. You guys, oh yeah, you got a few, you got an hour, great. And you can drop this map on your table and you can all play together because we're mobile first and it's a device that you always have with you in your pocket. So, um, you know, building as big as your dreams, affordability, immediacy, all of these things is what AR gives you. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? And, you know, we can talk about like all the things we're going to be doing and how we, you know, evolve gameplay now that we have this technology. And currently, you know, it's all with your cell phone. It's kind of a window into the world, right? Because, you know, that's the device that we have and we're shipping on. But this has all been designed underneath for the forthcoming AR glasses, which is going to make it a frictionless experience. That makes a lot more sense that you're looking towards AR glasses. And I remember when Google Glass started 
started and it, yeah. it was not not good like it was this little slit right in front of your eyes and then you had these big wonky glasses on so the devices that you're talking about would be uh, much more streamlined and and clean and comfortable and be able to i would have my whole field of view or most of my field of view would be actionable augmented reality versus just this little slit in the middle ar is a much harder problem to solve than vr right vr we can just put you know two screens in front of your face and you know call it a day obviously that's improving with you know increased screen resolution and color fidelity and lightness and all ease of you know um Comfort, uh, comfortable and all that kind of stuff. But AR glasses, you know, have to pack all this technology in a very tiny frame. Ultimately, the goal is to get it down to, you know, the glasses that you're wearing today, right? Um, but that's a lot of technology to pack in. Exactly. So like, you know, you have um, lots of different solutions for that. There's tethered solutions. Most, most of these uh, devices that you see coming out are tethered by a cable or wirelessly to your cell phone. So the cell phone can do all the processing and the heavy lifting and then just get the sensor data back from the glasses and stuff like that um, and project the imagery to your eyes. But getting that mix of uh, computer graphics onto your retina uses a, a, tech, a technology called waveguides. And that's very, very hard to do correctly and also get what you're talking about, that wide field of view. So right now the glasses are a very, very narrow field of view, like 40 degree field of view, which is, it's, it's not great, right? You can see if you're looking and you've got a, you know, a dragon in front of you, he might be half cut off, even though he's, you know, the portion that you're looking at is embedded in the real world and he's stomping around on the freeway. Um, half of him is going to be cut off because of this, you know, lack of technology right now, but that's all changing trillions of dollars from all these companies are being invested in this. Um, and we're going to get there. The question is when, so, Right now, the glasses that you see um, coming out on the market are very much developer-based for people like ourselves, right? Early adopters. Um, you know, there's lots of rumors out there now about what Apple's coming out with. And again, we might hear that as soon as, you know, uh, this summer, um, and this is 2022, um, you know, at their WWDC, their developers conference. And there's all kinds of, you know, conceptions of what, it's, of what it looks like. And it's very much more like a ski mask. Um, so they're going to be kind of big and bulky and more VR type in the beginning, but the goal is to get them down to the thin glasses that we are already seeing, but that don't have a great field of view. So you said ski mask. I hope you meant ski goggles because a ski mask would be absolutely yeah. terrifying. Correct. Ski goggles. <laughs> like a big old bonaclava. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody's walking around looking like a Tuscan Raider. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Goggles, goggles, yeah. All right, so we'll all look like the flying carrot then. So Sean White, right, for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to be thinner and lighter. Like, of course, this is Apple, so they're going to be, you know, thinner and lighter. But it's still not something that you're going to walk around. And these are mixed reality headsets, right, where like Apple's reportedly is, where you it will open up and you can do AR so you can see through it. And it will also close off and can be VR. And there will be a lot of that technology, right? Everybody's like, oh, well, what's going to win out, VR or AR? And I'm always like, there are two sides of the same coin, right? Like, I always think of AR and Tim Cook, uh, you know, CEO of Apple has said as much that AR is going to be our everyday computing experience. The cell phone is going to disappear in five to seven years and everybody's going to be wearing these glasses. And I can hear everybody going, oh, really? I don't know. But then they said the same thing about those white earbuds, right? The AirPods, which everybody looked like a dork walking around the streets for the first couple of weeks. And then they became a fashion symbol. So if they can get the glasses down, which of course they can, 
to actually looking like glasses, you can imagine them working with Ray-Ban and like, you know, all of these frames are going to be the new cases for your cell phone and they'll look like normal, fashionable glasses. Um, but, you know, that's going to be a, a bit, of, bit of the ways off. So I always say that AR is going to be the new computing platform. You're going to use it day to day as you go about your business. And VR is more like when you're done for the day, you're in your den or your living room, you turn off the lights, you're watching TV or you go see a movie, right? It's just a full immersive experience. But the technologies are very much related and they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And you talked about field of view, 40% field or 40 degree field of view. I flew a lot of night vision goggle missions when I was in the military. And that was what we had flying. Oh, really? Still alive. So it works. Uh, wow. and, and you have situational awareness. So that's that's actually a good thing. I suppose 40 degrees to me isn't horrible. Now, of course, that 40 degrees changes as soon as you move your head just a little bit. And then you add two of them and then you have a little bit more. But still, I have to rely on a phone now, glasses soon that will talk to my phone so that when my mom calls at the end of the school day and I don't answer my phone, my excuse is I was playing D&D with my friends at lunchtime and my phone battery's dead because I was using my goggles or my glasses. Uh, well, no, hopefully that is not the uh, user experience. Obviously, you know, this is one of the reasons that you've seen Apple make their M1 and M2 chips, right? Which are, it's all about performance per watt. Um, and so you get crazy sick performance at much and exponentially less battery spend. And the whole reason they're doing this is not just to make your iPhone last longer. It's all for going towards these AR glasses, right? So that's going to become less and less of an issue, as is the field of view issue. Um, yeah, currently, like I said, you know, I, three years ago is when I started developing this and I looked around and I said, some, you know, someone must be doing this. Nobody was, um, I was previously in, in my previous life, a, um, engineer at Apple. So, you know, I, I follow them very closely. I knew that these glasses were coming. I saw the trends in the industry and I didn't want to be behind the, you know, behind the curve when this stuff started dropping and sure enough this year they're dropping. So that's why three years ago I started. That being said, we knew that, you know, we wanted to get it out there. We wanted to get in people's hands. And so we are shipping on iOS and Android devices, um, cell phones and tablets um, that you currently use. And yeah, it's kind of like that window into your world, but it's actually quite fluid. Like, you know, we have a bunch of beta testers that have been using it. We've been playing games um, and it's, you know, you're a lot of the stuff, especially when you're playing around the table is role playing, right? You're looking at each other, you're laughing, you're having fun. And when it's time to look down at the battle map, you know, there's all kinds of stands. We have cool metal ones. We're going to be working with manufacturers to come out with themed ones. Um, you've got even just your fold up keyboard stuff. You put that in front of you on the table and you're, you can just look through the viewfinder. You can see all that stuff. You want to get in on the action, just like you lean into the table, you pick up your phone or your tablet and you lean in just like you would. And it's actually very fluid. And, you know, you don't even think about it in the end. And it's a great time. So, um, so putting aside the eventual future of um, we're all illusionists now, or we all can see your illusions um, and, and looking at what the, the present is uh, we, we would need devices to see this, this um, augmented reality. What if we want to use those devices for something else like a character sheet? Yeah. And um you know, also I should mention, like in our case, we have what's called a lean back mode too. So, you know, AR is obviously the coolest presentation of this and the most authentic way to do it. But if you are, you know, you want to build um, and you're on a plane or you're just in bed and you, you, you don't want to play in AR, you can 
play in themed environments like you would in virtual reality. So that is just like an app on your screen and you can use gestures to play around a virtual table. So it's just like a, another a three-dimensional virtual tabletop in themed environments. And you can flip back and forth between those those different um, modes very fluidly. And in fact, that's how a lot of our players are actually playing with it. Um, but to your question, um, yeah, we, you know, we are working to integrate all that stuff, um, working with other partners and, and doing our own stuff to uh, apply game automation and character sheets and things like that. Um, and we're going to do it in, you know, several different ways. One, you'll be able to, you know, as a player, you can tap your button and the character sheet will slide in, right? And you can tap on what roll or, or, or attack that you want to do. The character sheet will slide away and boom, then the dice will roll and the action will occur. Um, there's also going to be in, con, you know, contextual things. Um, so you tap on your character and, you know, the, the things of the moment will appear above them, different buttons and things that you can touch, right? It'll show your, you know, hit points and your, you know, basic stats and so on and so forth. And you'll be able to trigger things from that very easily in a three-dimensional spatialized interface. That's really cool. It's almost like minority report for Dungeons and Dragons. So I'll be able to be like how Tom Cruise was doing the whole thing on his computer as he's trying to discover what was happening based on what the oracles were saying. And be like, okay, cool, that's where it is. So I could play Dungeons and Dragons that way. And then when I'm ready to engage with the table, I can say, table, I want the table and do the thing that I have to do to get the table. And what you're also, it seems that like you're saying, because I would be connected to other people via an agreement and a game, somebody could be in South Korea and looking at their table and dealing with their augmented reality glasses and playing a game with me, but I'm actually not on the other side of the table with them. Yes, that's exactly right. So um, it is very much like Minority Report. And so there's, you know, because we're going to be multi-platform and on various things, um, you know, on the devices, you're dealing with the screen, right? So you'll have character sheets slide in and, and things like that, right? And it's touchscreen based. But you can imagine with the AR glasses and things that we're, that we're prototyping now, which is like in VR, you have a spatialized interface. So you don't have screens anymore, right? There are things that float in the world. So you'll have your character sheet or something similar to it floating beside you or that you can pull up like with an incantation. I can, you know, do a, a gesture and my character sheet pops up and I can tap or wave my hand through the sword or the, the image of the spell or whatever and then cast that into the environment, right? And so then my character will do that. So, you know, it's about reimagining all of this stuff for a spatialized 3D interface as well, which you'll get in virtual reality and also in um, augmented reality with glasses using gesture controls and recognition. We just got done talking to those crazy kids at Albert Rodeo. One of the things that we mentioned was, you know, screen space is so limited. It is as if you are wearing blinders in the real world because you have to sort of focus in on just these things that you're looking at. It strikes me that that's the interesting problem that these new devices fix is giving you the ability to use your entire field of view or 40% of it, I suppose, in screen space and not just a linear amount of it. You also have depth in that screen space too. I can see lots of potential there, not just in showing you more screens or more pieces of paper or things like that, but in allowing you to interact with technology in a completely different way than we do today, which is through a screen. I wonder if a lot of this sort of hinges on the future development of that technology and the training of an entirely new generation of people how to use new 
technology. So the popular meme is um, people of, uh, you know, my parents' age, um, Pat's age, <laughs> often are like, well, how do I, how do I send this? How do I send this text message? Oh, what's this newfangled group thing, you know? And I, I just feel like um, is the, the value proposition for your product based in a technology that's coming based off of the, the ability for the populace to learn what that technology is. Are, are we looking at something that's just really far away right now? No, not at all. So number one, lots of things there to unpack, but number one, you know it's not far off. Like the glasses literally are starting to drop now. And those again are going to be replacing the cell phone and like, you know, people will start, early adopters will start next year. Right. And then, you know, the next section will be two to three years. And then within five years, a huge proportion of the public will be using these things. Um, but, you know, you've got to think about this stuff as like, and it's, it's super fun right now, just on your tablet and your phone. Right. And you can, you know, see how this is all going to work on the glasses. Um, and we do have this sense of spatialized interface, even through, you know, the 2d screen, because you're working in a three-dimensional environment. You think of right now with your phone and your tablet, you're kind of a cameraman, right? Like you, you move your iPhone and your iPad in and you're viewing this, your table and all of the, the magic on it. Um, and it depends on the field of view there. If you're sitting back on the table, you can see most of the table through your camera and the whole map laid out. And if you want to, you know, lean in, you, um, you know, zoom in with your camera there and you can see the whole thing. You just get in and on the action like you would in the, you know, in my game, you know, that we played a, a few nights ago where you, you know, lean your head in and look at those minis up close and like, how far can I see and all this kind of stuff. Um, but then the other thing I wanted to say was that the, Spatialized interface is actually easier to use than touchscreen stuff, right? This touchscreen stuff, like, so we had the mouse and the keyboard and all that stuff, right? And I saw my mom struggle with this, <laughs> right? She's like, could not use the computer because I get it, right? And, it, you know, as a, you know. Grant, I don't, I don't, I don't, before we go any further, there's no way I could be Grant's father. <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that as, you know, being a computer person and an engineer and a creative and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. But, and, you know, she's a smart woman. It's not, it's not her. It's like these were kind of difficult to grok devices. So then we have touchscreens and that's more direct. She got an iPad and it's amazing. Like she's, you know, texting and emailing. And now it's a different story. Spatialized interfaces take it even further because that's how our memory works and our brain works, and that's how the real world works, right? Like, where you use spatialized memory, where did I put that? Oh, my glasses over here. Oh, that file is over here, right? We put things in spaces in our mind. Now you can actually do that in 3D. And when I put something there in augmented reality or virtual reality, it stays there. So, all of these things, you know, there's buttons. You see a button that's a physical 3D button, and you re you see your hand and you reach out and you touch it. So these things are much easier to understand than any interface that came before because it mimics the real world. And in fact, that's what we're trying to do with this product is not only to make it look like the terrain and minis and everything that you know and love, but also the way you operate with it. And yes, it's, you know, and kind of an abstraction at this point with the touchscreen, but it's, you know, what you're used to on a touchscreen in a three dimension with AR. But then with these AR glasses, you're going to have gesture control. I'm going to be able to reach out and actually pick that piece up off the table and just move it like I would a real piece. There's so many points that are being driven in this conversation. When were computers starting to become a really, really big thing? Probably around, what, the 90s uh, right. when they really started to become forward? 
in the work environment, maybe even a little bit in the eighties. I don't remember that time. <laughs> she was just a spark. I you do. were just a sparkle in your, your parents' eyes. But we went from file cabinets and whiteboards and butcher block. And that was how businesses were run uh, and war rooms and tables and conference rooms. And, and the way war games were played were with miniatures because there was no computers. And then we went to computers and now I, I sit in this office and the only thing I have in here that is like touchable, needable is my computer. Everything else you could, you could throw it all in the garbage and I could still do my job. But now what you're proposing, Grant, is we're going to go back to the 80s, except for we'll have our glasses on and get rid of the computer. And I can have my office where I have my file cabinet where I open it up. And it's almost like uh, I'm now in the game Mist, where I have to tactilely go through my life and have a, a reference to where things are because that's better for my my real brain my old my old brain that's grown for so many millennia terrestrial association is better for me to remember where things are than digital association so we're going to take digital turn it terrestrial and now we're going to do it that way and that's literally the way that's why minis and miniature terrain is still popular today because people want to visualize the real all that minis and, and visual train is, we used to call them in the military, sand tables. It's a sand table so you can see what the thing is and how you're going to react to what you would really have to do out in the real world. So you're going to give us digital sand tables instead of digital maps. You're going to give us digital terrain versus digital maps. No, we're going to be both. So we obviously, we're going to allow people to create any map that they want and share that with everybody, right? You're going to be able to lay this all out just like you would. Again, it's just like what we're trying to do is replicate as closely as possible the physical aspect and joy of playing tabletop games, right? And I am a huge Dwarven Forge fan who's one of our partners, obviously, in Reaper Minis that I was painting since I was a kid. All these, you know great mini companies, train companies. Um, and I love physical train as well, but there's a limit to that, right? In terms of, again, being able to afford it all, being able to buy all the stuff that you need to create these enormous layouts that you really want to create. And then also always hanging it with you for the immediacy part. So using this technology, we can recreate the experience of that without all of the drawbacks, right? We can make it cheaper. We can make it more immediate. We can let you build bigger. We can make it instantaneous. You don't have to set up and put it down. Um, you know, like just lots of different things. It's the it's kind of like what you were saying a minute ago. It's about the and what I was saying about the digitization of the world, and kind of you know anything in this world now that you know we've already seen books and movies and music and you know countless number of things go digital, right? And everybody's like, oh, I don't you know I don't want that at the beginning. Like, there's always a pushback, but now everything that you don't have to sit on, eat, or that shelters you is probably going to be going digital in augmented reality because it can. And if I can recreate this tabletop and make it look exactly like the stuff that you're doing, but have all these extra benefits, and we're not even talking about the, you know, we're not trying, we're trying to not make a video game. We're trying to make, recreate the platform that you're, that you know and love. But because we're digital, we can add on, you know, effects and flickering torches and spell effects and environment and weather and all that cool stuff. So we'll do that. But we're trying to recreate that experience. If I can do that and, you know, for you, make it seem like it is real. Basically, what we're talking about here in the end is holograms on your table, right? Where it looks exactly like it would and you can 
reach down, pick it up and move it. And that's the end Holy Grail, which we're very close to. Then why not? I don't I don't even know if that is the end Holy Grail is this. This is why I wanted to like interject here. I see this world where my daughter can buy a pair of these glasses. And now my house turns into a house of from Bridgerton because she hates living in Huntsville and would rather live in in the Bridgerton world. Uh, and everything is like awesome from the 17, late 1700s. My question to you, Grant, is LARPing on the horizon? And do you take your tabletop terrain and increase it to uh, a one-to-one ratio? And now I walk through it to experience walking into the tomb of the death gods in the Isle of Chult on the bottom of the tomb of the nine gods, right? Can you, I can't even imagine what that would look like. The lava is flowing. Matter of fact, I think there are VR experiences. You can do this like in Orlando and stuff like that, but those are VR and maybe we could do that AR. I think you might be onto something because um, we started talking about skeuomorphic design with Albert Rodeo and that skeuomorphic is essentially recreating the physical world in the digital world to increase familiarity and usability of that product. The interesting thing is, is that, now we're doing it for a wholly different reason because the the physical benefits are there and we want to literally recreate them in a digital environment, but keep them almost physical. And I'm, I'm wondering, Pat, it, I wonder if you could, if role-playing becomes LARPing, LARPing is live action role-play, where it's not just a board game anymore. It's telling a shared story with your friends just in the world. And and the the thing that I, I go back to, because I, I have a love-hate relationship with Disney World, because there are so many things that I love about it, but boy, it really hurts my pocketbook. But one of the things I found so interesting is the, the new parks that are coming out from companies that are spending lots of money are basically recreating a role-play experience for you. In a physical world, you walk into the Black Spire outpost in Disney World and you feel like you've just walked into the Star Wars universe. And that is a, a an incredible experience, for, especially for a role player who's only ever experienced these things in my mind to see them come to life. I'm wondering if you're going to take Black Spire outpost and put everybody there. Yes. So that is exactly something that we want to do. And in fact, that was a stretch goal for a Kickstarter. It's called LifeScale. Um, and so it is taking your tabletop and blowing it up to life scale, and then you can actually walk through it. Right. And obviously there's some, some issues there. If you're doing it in your living room and you smack into it, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys have a VR headset, but I certainly do. And, you know, I've been working in this industry for so long and I have broken many a table and a vase and everything else floundering around. So there's, there's issues there with that, but no, that is absolutely what we're going to do. And and this is, um, you know, one of the big areas like, okay, we're doing what we're doing right now with replicating the, the digital tabletop, right? Um, to give you that authentic feel of being around the table with your friends, right? With enhancements, um, because it's easy to understand. And that's a good first step. But that's just one of the many things that we want to do, right? This is something that people can go, oh, yeah, it's a better this or better that, right? Like, I get it. So we can get a, a good chunk of audience in there to help us build our platform. And the ultimate goal, though, is, okay, now that we have this technology and these tools and this platform, how do we evolve what it means to play this game, right? Because we've only played, you know, first we played with paper and pencils and dice, and then we have the character sheets and the digital tools, and, you know, we keep augmenting the game with these new tools. 
well, this is going to blow all that out of the water for all the reasons that we were just describing, right? Like now imagine that you are in your map and your player character um, creeps up to a chest, uh, moves as many up to a chest. That actually triggers an action. The map disappears and the chest drops down into your living room. And now you are working together with your team and not only their abilities and their dice rolls, but also physically solving a puzzle, disarming the trap or flipping the levers around. One of my favorite things in D&D is traps and puzzles, right? And normally it's a handout or a theater of the mind thing. Now we can create plugins that people can design all these things and drop them into their games. So now you're working together to either, you know, you get the poison gas or you get the treasure. And maybe it opens up and it's a treasure map. That treasure map takes you to the park where you lead you to the park outside where you actually encounter a real dragon and you just slay it more Pokemon Go style. So there's all of these really interesting ways to evolve gameplay. And then, you know, everyone's talking about the metaverse. So all of these things can connect. I can start, like I was saying, leaving that, you know, treasure for you to find or that map for you to find. Um, and all of this can be integrated into a hybrid style gameplay. There's a few other 3D VTTs out there. And I start thinking to myself, the creation of these maps is it will be a feat, not unlike the creation of a physical product either. But there are millions of 2D map images out there on the web today that are just all over the place. Not only that if you've got a little bit of skill or at least just can draw a stick figure, it's really easy to be able to convey an idea and positions and, and relative areas just through drawing and putting it on a map. The immediacy of that library of maps and the ability to create that seems like it affords the creative mind a lot of imagination. And I, I wonder I wonder if 3D environments will ever get to the point where they can be as creative. A friend of mine at work, Matt, said he thinks that D&D should be more like Legos. We should be creating Lego blocks so that that way you can build the thing that you want and for it to be able to sort of create up into what you want it to be one day. I wonder if these 3D environments will ever be as easy to create as a 2D image is today or easy to find. Right. And that is exactly what we are providing, a D&D Lego block kit, right? So it's like anything that you, again, imagine what the physical world is, right? Is like, right? Like I have a certain collection of Dwarven Forge, right? That I can build with um, or Fat Dragon Train that I printed or whatever. Um, you know, you're limited in time and resources, money to be able to, 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 to buy that stuff and to, to build with that. Imagine it now all being digital, much more affordable, and already consisting of pre-built maps, right? Oh, I want, you know, Curse of Strahd, level one. Boom, you drop it down on your table. Um, you know, we and our users will be building all this. A huge component of what we're building is a platform for other users to create. So we are going to be, you know, first off, obviously, is all the maps. People will be making all kinds of maps, things that we couldn't even imagine, right? And it's very easy because we're making it drop dead simple. What we're trying to do is be the apple of, um, we call it ATTs, Augmented Reality Tabletops, um, but to be the apple of that where... We are making it drop dead simple. There's not a bunch of fiddly buttons and all these scrolls and toggles and modes and stuff. It's drag and drop and intuitive and context sensitive and aware so that it's anybody can understand it who can do touch gestures and even more so when you're in a 3D spatialized interface with AR glasses or VR or something like that. So we're providing all those Lego blocks to do that um, and make it drop dead simple to build and share those things. And then also in the future to mold and shape terrain and make rivers flow and lava and 
paint your minis and do all these really cool things that you do in the in the real world, right? So we're going to be providing all those tools to our users to create this awesome community of, of sharing, right? Um, that being said, we do realize that not everything, at least initially, are we going to have assets for, right? But it's the same thing with Dwarven Forge. Like, what can I make with this? And you'd be surprised how much you can actually make all those maps out of what you have. Um, but we realize that not everybody will be able to do that, or you've got some crazy map you've made, or you've got this map you made, um, like I do as a kid, you know, just crazy design. We're going to be able to give you the ability to also drop that down on your table, just like a battle map, right? So that you can then use 2D tokens if you want to do that, or you can also then use your 3D minis that you do have and put them on there, or use that as a template to build and put 3D train on top of that map. Use that as negative space that could be animated, it could be water flowing, lava, things like that. Um, or have a hybrid where you've got, you know, like some people do where you've got a you know, big battle mat and then you've got 3D walls and 3D minis that you're using. So you'll be able to do all those things. And I think you're going to need a mix of that stuff to really accommodate all of this, no matter what tool you're using. Yeah, it does seem like I'm going to need a really big bucket of Legos. I remember I had multiple just giant tubs of Legos when I was a kid. I still do. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Andrew, not to poo-poo any of this, but engineering takes money yeah. and graph paper is really cheap. D&D, in my mind, has always been a very inexpensive gateway into a massive world of imagination. I have experiences in my life that some of them are almost as visceral as very real experiences that I've had through gameplay. And all of it was done on a garage floor or a piece of graph paper in a friend's house at their kitchen table. Now I have to have this massive investment of some very expensive glasses and whatever the whole service ends up costing and all the pieces for Lego. I mean, freaking Lego ain't cheap, especially today. <laughs> and I still want to be able to build my worlds and imagine my worlds. I have a friend who grew up on the south side of the tracks, if you will. And one of his saving graces being a kid living in a really hard part of town was Dungeons and Dragons. And it literally, it consisted of one book, some paper, some pencils, and imagination. Are we losing those folks? Are we losing a lot of our audience because we're going so far that it becomes unattainable? Yeah, I mean, a few things on that. Um, number one, that's why we're providing all these different options, right? Like like we said, we realize not everybody, and it, you know, engineering does take money, right? Like um, at the end of the day, we're a business and we need to make money to survive, to create all this stuff. I mean, it's coming from, this is a passion project of mine. This is something that I've wanted. This is why it's here and why we have it. But, you know, at the end of the day, to continue creating this amazing stuff, we've got to make money to keep the lights on. So that being said, we want to make it affordable. And this digital will be more affordable than physical, right? So there's people that spend thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars every quarter or half a year on Dwarven Forge, right? Because it's amazing stuff. But there's lots of people that can't do that. So there's this digital entry point for them. And you can also have half and half. We have a video on our site um, or on our YouTube channel where you can see we've taken Dwarven Forge physical terrain and extended it with Fat Dragon digital terrain. So it totally meshes seamlessly. So you can, you can riff off what you have and do this whole hybrid approach. And I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what our users come up with in regards to that. Um, the second thing is, is the AR glasses are going to be expensive to begin with, but so is a cell phone. Everyone has a cell phone, right? And we're shipping on that first, right? So it's like, 
you can use your device and tablet. That's an entry point. The AR glasses will come. They'll get less expensive. They'll, re they'll you know, replace the cell phone. Normally, you're paying, you know, $800, $1,000 for a, an iPhone. You'll be paying the same for AR glasses, right? So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. But, you know, these are all stepping stones. So we're going, you know, that's our rollout is to be able to support these different stages of development. But all the while, we don't want to detract from the way you play. Um, you know, some people don't play with miniatures at all. They do theater of the mind uh, and that's fine. And, you know, you can also do that. You can do theater of the mind or you can even use these as dioramas, set up the castle and the fog around it and kind of give them, you know, the sense of Barovia that they're in or whatever. Um, but, you know, you can use it as you see fit. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how our users integrate it. Like we're already kind of, you know, like I said, amazing, amazed to see how our beta users are, are using it and going back and forth between AR and lean back. And, you know, they always surprise you. And we always say that they're, we don't know, you know, they're going to build way bigger and crazier things than we could ever imagine. So that's why we want to give them this kit to be able to do that in a very intuitive and easy way. I think, um, you know, man, Grant, I tell you what. I've, I've really tried. I've really tried. You know, I feel like I'm looking at this giant sort of silent image in front of me right now. And I'm just, I'm rolling intelligence checks and I'm like, mm, that thing's not real. It's not real, but I keep failing these intelligence checks. I am really, really excited to see how this technology can change the way we play. My feeling is that there's still a lot to be learned and discovered and adopted by us as human beings, but boy, there's a lot of excitement there, a lot of excitement there. And I think what I've realized is that not only are you an illusionist artificer, but I think you're a mad scientist too. You're super passionate about this thing. And you're like that person out there in front going like, the world is going to be different. And we're all like, that's crazy. It's not going to be like that. And, uh, I don't know, man. I, you might not be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I think, you know, I've been in this world for a while and you do have to do reality checks for yourself every once in a while. I go, am I, am I crazy? Like, is this, am I really making this up? Right? Like, I, I just don't think I am. Like, I really do. And, you know, there's been fits and starts of VR and I've worked in 3D filmmaking and there's been fits and starts in 3D, as we all know. You know, but really this kind of stuff is what people wanted out of 3D films in the first place. You know, you see people sitting in the theater and they're moving their heads back and forth trying to see around things, which isn't going to work. But that's really what they want. They want to be immersed in environments. So this is kind of that expression of what everybody wants. And it's just too compelling. And there's way too many companies and too much money pouring in it. If the problems can be solved and with so much money going into it, I really do believe they will be. We are already seeing progress every single day. Then it's too compelling for it not to work. Um, just from a practical standpoint with augmented reality of, you know, we're already using augmented reality, right? We're living in, we're living in augmented reality and virtual worlds. Right now, we're in a virtual world. We're not in the same room together and we're doing all this. And COVID showed that to everybody, right? Like, you know, all the different virtual technologies that, that people are going to be using. And this is just an expression of that. It's taking, um, Google or Apple Maps and, um, putting it you know, sticking it on the ground so you can actually see um, arrows and directions in front of you. Um, so it's going to, it really is going to change the world. And I always say that it's weird that I say that because um, I feel like that, you know, tech CEO, which I am, but um, the world is going to change the world, but I think it's true. Uh oh, I think he's casting another spell. Yeah, I think he just went into augmented reality. I, I think, I think it's taken him. Well, is it, is it like one of those Cthulhu moments? Like, he was so passionate about 
the augmented reality that it just came and grabbed him and just took him should we just see ourselves out then i don't maybe we should we should probably just uh i think i'm going through the portal pat yeah back away slowly slowly grant if you're there it was great talking to you (laughs) i hope everything works out with your experiments okay andrew hit the switch go Learn more about ARCANA at Mirrorscape.com or on Twitter at MirrorscapeXR. Special thanks to Gabriel Gonzalez from InspiredBard.com for the use of the theme music and to Lee Smithson for the intro voiceover. For updates from the show, follow AC Searles on Twitter. <laughs>